podcast brought to you in part by audible.com get your free audiobook download by visiting www.audibletrial.com wds to choose from over 85,000 titles for your ipod or mp3 player please hi this is alicia Wynn. hi this is molly bryant hi this is christina from survivor redemption island hey this is Lindsay lowen hi this is poppy from the apprentice hi this is john bon jovi and i'm richie sambor hi i'm holly Thornton, creator of make it or break it hi this is joy nordenstrom hi this is christina Shaw from survivor one world hi my name is Joe loren i play kaylee cruz hi this is brandy the winner from this season's apprentice hey what's up this is kelly clarkson hi this is julie Mann. hello ich bin nina rausch und sie hören sich gerade an this is alec baldwin hey this is jennifer love hewitt hey this is Jenny Blatt from Love in the Wild. Hey, this is Chelsea Hobbs, and you're listening to two of my favorite blogger podcast guys um, on What Do They Said. Did you hear? 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 What do they say? You get to hear what Juve has to say. Hello again, everybody. You are listening to the official podcast of the What Juve Said Cultural Entertainment Digest, found at whatjuvesaid.com. I am your host, Jason Duplessis, coming at you from Juve Studios Southwest in the Hollywood Hills of Los Angeles, California. And joining me, as always, is the man who is the most decorated Olympian at WDS, your host, Robert Bob Juvay, podcasting you from the Ten of Inequity. That's right, the island of Manhattan, up to the west side, more specific. And boy, am I happy to got to be listening. It's been too long. When it you say it's too long? I think it has been too long, and we weren't going to take this long, but I was on vacation last week, so we were off a little bit because of your shenanigans. And then we were oh. off due to my shenanigans. And now we're back. How did your shenanigans shake out? Oh, they sh- it's, it's just been a real, real tough, tough road out here for me, employment-wise. That's my, my shenanigans have been centering around trying to find a job. Hmm. But it, it seems to me on the Twitter that you're uh, doing all sorts of things. Yeah, but the, none of that stuff is paying me actual cash money. I wonder how that works, the whole paying cash money thing. Can someone let us know? Send us an email at whatduvaysaid yeah. at gmail.com because your emails mean so much. As aforementioned, you can follow the good old Bob Duvet at Bob Duvet on Twitter. You can listen to this podcast in many different uh, places. Stitcher, which I did uh, on the way home from my trip. Cool, right? Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I do like the Stitcher. Uh, so that's an iPhone app or an Android app. You can listen to it on your smartphone. Just look for Stitcher in whatever store you have and then search for what Duvet said there. Find us on on Facebook, what do they said in your little search bar there? Have you been looking at our Facebook page, Rob? We are just so consistent. Yeah. Uh, you can also. Uh, what else can you? Oh, we're on the Rogue Two uh, podcast out there in Love the. Me! That's right, out there with our friends out there hosting the Olympics. Thank you, boys, for being so great. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Olympics, or you can give us Absolutely. a phone call. Uh, mm-hmm. Phone call, right? Do you remember our phone number, Rob? Line 415 415 
Oh, thank you. 415-937-0445. That number is virtually never used. It's 415-937-0445. Yeah, we've been, well, I think uh, the we've dropped off a bit on the uh, on the phone call. Yeah. But we, did you notice we did get a flurry of email? I guess the women's Tons. gymnastic team was, uh, there's a lot of people out there paying attention because in our last podcast, you may remember me talking about the women's gymnastics team. And I kept saying how great certain people were on the parallel bars. I was mm -hmm. saying Gabby Douglas was mm -hmm. the parallel bars, and then we got all the corrections telling me that they're the uneven bars, not the parallel bars. So I apologize yeah, yeah. to all all the tens of you who wrote to us to let me know that I'm. It's sure. great that it's great that we've really tapped into the gymnastic community. <laughs> I think it's also great that, and I believe this is true for for everything. So maybe we could we could do a little call to arms, Rob. You want to do a little okay. call to arms here? I am so about arming myself. Okay, so here, let's little call to arms music, and uh, I would like, I would like that we sometimes get email that isn't correcting us or telling us we suck. Let's get some praise email every now and then. How's that? Yeah. Sound? The hell's wrong with praising people these days? Everybody wants to tear people down. What about the building back up? Yeah. So we could use a little building back up emails, even if it's just like, hey, you guys haven't done a show in three weeks. We miss it. Something like that. Yeah, or, hey, uh, you know, where do I get some of that WDS swag? So this is what I was wondering uh, as far as the getting paid for employment thing. Yes, um, yes. I was nobody wants to do that anymore. Yeah, I know. I was listening to an interview, and I, I hear this every now and then. I hear these interviews. I was actually talking with listener Alan about this. But mm -hmm. just the other night I was listening to an interview uh, from a different podcast. It's actually Alec Baldwin's podcast, you know, friend of the show, okay. Alec Baldwin. Uh, yeah. He was interviewing Billy Joel, and the two of them were talking about how they got started. And Billy Joel was saying, well, I, I joined this band, and I got a record deal, and that record didn't go anywhere, so they dropped us. So I went, and I had to make some money, so I went and played at a piano bar for a while. Uh, and then I decided, well, I want to be a solo musician, so I got another record deal, and that didn't go anywhere. I had to get out of this record deal, and he's going on and on about this. And Alec Baldwin's mm -hmm. saying, yeah, well, I was, uh, I, I moved out to L.A., and I had to get a job, so they hired me and on Peyton Place and, you know, whatever. And <laughs> I, it's like, w wait a minute. <laughs> you know, what I always wonder about these stories, about people who are being interviewed about their life story, it's always like, yeah, I needed to make some money, so I got a job at a piano bar, and they paid, they paid you. How does that work? How do you, like, wh how, who, do you know what I mean, Rob? Like, you and I have talents that are mm -hmm. marketable. But yes. everywhere I go, every theater company I go with, every show I direct, everything I'm commissioned to write, every time I play a, a gig with a band, it's always like, hey, come up and play this gig. And I got to show up and pay for parking, you know? Oh, you're with the band? No, you, you park all the way in the back. It's like, what? <laughs> and I play for I think, free, you know? I, I think that the pendulum has swung to the point where, like, people feel that you should be grateful for the opportunity to do what you love in front of people because that could lead to the opportunity that will pay you to do what you love. But I'm of the opinion that if you're providing somebody with any kind of service that they you know, want you to perform, they should pay you for it. Yeah, I'm sure that was a great point. Hey, so did what happened with your employment? Or did you find a job? What's going on? Well, the way things work out here that I'm rapidly finding out is you're not hired per se 
you're asked to come in and train where they don't pay you and it's meant as an audition and they phrase it like, yeah, this way you can see if you like us, we can see if we like you. And I'm like, okay, I, I kind of get what that's going, you know, where that's going. Sure. You know, have me jump behind a bar and work, you know, for a few hours and you can see that I can make drinks and how I interact with the customers and then offer me the job. But instead what they do is they have you go out and buy a uniform, show up for a eight plus hour training session where you learn the intricacies of a position that you may or may not be doing at a location you may or may not be working at. And the end of the day comes and I'm like, well, should I fill out paperwork? Do I keep track of my hours? Oh, no, no, you're not going to be getting paid for the training. <sighs> and I'm like, well, then why am I wasting my time? Why am I here? For eight hours, I could be looking for a job that will actually pay me for the time that I'm spending there. Yeah. And so it's been very, very frustrating. Uh, I've become completely and totally, not that I wasn't already, but I'm totally disillusioned with the service industry. So uh, after it, some discussion, I am no longer looking for employment in the service industry, bartending, waiting tables, doing anything related to food, handing people food, serving people food, cleaning up their food. I have abandoned it completely and I am now focused my efforts entirely on getting a job. Uh, a, that I can stomach, and B, something in a, a more traditional path where I maybe go to an office. Oh. Uh, maybe I work a, a traditional nine-to-five schedule instead of you show up at four and you get off whenever we decide that we're going to close. Yeah. Is there a, a branch of Pranova out there? I wish there was. Oh, how I wish there was. Um, yes, Pranova. Good job. In retrospect, I, I've had so many terrible, terrible jobs. Pronova has rapidly moved up the, the ladder of jobs that I would love to have back again. I have no memory whatsoever of working for Pronova. I didn't know you worked at Pronova. I did. You got me a job at Pronova. In fact, you picked me up the very first day uh, to go to Pronova <laughs> in the love bus. And oh, I remember yeah. getting up first thing in the morning and like waiting for you to show up. And mm -hmm. you, you were like not there. And then it was like 10 minutes and then it was like 15 minutes. And I was like, well, maybe this isn't happening. Maybe Rob isn't coming. So being uh, 18 or 19 years old, I decided to do the thing that I did a lot back then. I was like, oh, well, I guess he's not coming. I guess I could have a little recreational time for myself. <laughs> so I did that. And then you showed up at like 930. You showed up like half an hour later than you're supposed to be. Oh, the bus wasn't working. I couldn't get it to drive. Oh, and I'm like, oh, no. So I went to work and I remember my sixth grade teacher uh, actually had a had a job there. And uh, he was the guy who was training me, walking around, showing me stuff. Um, That's funny. Yeah. But I don't remember how long I worked there. I don't remember what I did there. The only thing I remember is that you were out at reception and every now and then I would come out to visit with you and mm -hmm. you, would, you would like totally shun me because you were like at work. You couldn't like visit and hang out. You was like, hey, yeah, yeah, hey, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Even if there was nobody around. God, it's so stupid of me. If I could have those moments back, Chase, I would gladly just sit and shoot the shit with you. Yeah, no, no, you didn't. You, you didn't. Oh, well. You, uh, you were listening to yeah. "Calling Out to Carol" by uh, Stan Ridgway on the radio. There, I remember that too. I get very weird uh, in in work, when, especially when I'm new at the job, because 
you, I'm realizing a couple of things. People don't get my sense of humor. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm either too dry or too like uh, intellectual non sequitur. Yeah. And, and so I, my humor is lost on people and um, I, I, I tense up a little bit because I want to, you know, show them that I am worthy of, of, of being on the staff. So I, I tend to kind of, you know, take myself maybe in the job a little too seriously. And then I suss out pretty quickly that nobody's taking anything too seriously. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, that's when, yeah, it all goes to the pot. But anyway, um, yeah, that is, so that's been terrible. Say, isn't that a strange uh, sensation when people don't get that you're making a joke? Is there, you know? It is. It's, it's funny because... I'll repeat the same joke to somebody that gets my sense of humor, like my wife, and she'll laugh and she'll like laugh heartily. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, right? That's funny, you know. It's it's it's. it's but she's like, yeah, but nobody's gonna get that. I don't know, but and I'm like, well, why is that my fault? <laughs> yeah, I, th- right. I was walking uh, the dog last night. There's a guy who lives up the street from me. He does uh, music scores for trailers. It's his job. Mm-hmm. He's and he's every time I walk my dog at night, he's always standing out on his porch with a cigarette and a beer, and I, I can hear music playing in the background. You know, I think this is what his his deal is. So I always think he's a little buzzed when I walk by, which is a perfect audience, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And every time I walk by, I don't know if I'm particularly funny, but I'll you know I, he'll say something and I'll say something funny back, and he won't react at all. Like he he'll just look at me kind of he won't even look at me kind of strangely. He'll it'll just be like like. I don't know. It's hard for me to describe. So his wife was out on the balcony last night with a glass of wine. And usually girls laugh better than guys at my jokes for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were out there. And this, uh, this isn't a particularly funny joke, but it's a, it, was a, it was a gag. You know, it was meant to be humorous. Uh, the guy introduced me to his wife and he said, hey, this is Jason. Hi, I'm Jason. And he goes, oh, there used to be two Jasons in the block. There was a guy who lived over there. So now there's only one. He said that. And I go, oh, well, that'll be a lot easier on me, right? So, like, that's not particularly funny, <laughs> but what do you yeah, say to it something? Is. It's witty. Yeah, it's a little witty. Oh, that'll be easier on me. You know, ha, 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 right? You know, both uh. of them just sort of looked at me, <laughs> like, like trying to figure out what that could mean. But it would be as if they said to me, oh, there used to be two Jasons on the block. Now there's only one. And I stared at them blankly because I didn't understand it because really that makes no sense. <laughs> what? Hi, my name's Jason. Oh, there used to be two Jasons. Now there's only one. Ah. Yeah, there's no context for that. What happened to the other Jason? <laughs> yeah, is that a threat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because you say the line and you get the blank expression. And what I've noticed, um, and maybe it's just a symptom of being comfortable talking to people. I know you are. I am. So I usually enter into conversations pretty open and, and, and loose and, and willing to kind of roll with the punches. But my experience has been most people that you encounter and talk to, their first reaction is to have a misunderstanding. Yeah, absolutely. And that is... There's very few people who you could say something and they're like, I get you. I follow you. And maybe they 
piggyback onto it or, or follow the, the line, the humor, or comment on what you comment on. The first reaction is to look at you like you're speaking Swahili and to begin the whole thing on a misunderstanding. Yeah, and that happens to me a lot when I feel like I've set, used the perfect words in the perfect amount of words to express exactly what it is that I want. And I, mm -hmm. like I can't say it any clearer than that. You know, I really can't express, I can't think of anything specific, but it, it seems to happen to me a lot of times at the grocery store. Like uh, someone will say, well, did you find everything okay? And I'll say, I didn't, you have a product called Just the Leaves and I wasn't able to find it, it wasn't there right now. Oh, you want leaves? What? It, what is it, lettuce? Okay, <laughs> no, you have a product. I come here a lot. It's called Just the Leaves uh, and you didn't have any right here. You just asked me <laughs> if, if there was anything I could find. You work here. You know, like that sort yeah. of thing. It's like what? <laughs> People say things very um, mindlessly with no real intention of having to follow up on what they're offering. That's the other thing. There's I'm noticing out here, and I'm sure it's no different in any part of the country, listener, that you happen to be living in. People are quick to th – their first reaction is to want to do something very quickly as opposed to listen – process, maybe get a little bit more information and then perform the task. Right. It's they want to just turn and spin and do something. And then when they're confused because they didn't listen, they didn't get in fact my wife had a great example where this woman came there, she's doing some sort of test where people go to an alternate location in case there was a disaster, this is where they would have to report to work and they run these tests. Well, that's depressing. So to see you know, people walk in and this is where your desk would be and you know, there's, here's the process of getting set up. And so, <laughs> Because it's important to get your job done in the case of a nuclear attack. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, it's funny. Planning for disasters is a whole separate thing that I think is funny because there's no real way to plan for a disaster and yet a lot of money is spent planning for disasters. Because each disaster, you would imagine, is fairly unique. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So just having a place like, let's say somebody tries to blow up Manhattan, having the alternate location be literally two miles across the river in Jersey City may not necessarily alleviate the problem of people having to get to work. Yeah. Because how are they going to get there? If they can't get to Manhattan, how the hell are they going to go even further into New Jersey? Yeah. But there's always one asshole who's there going, oh, I made it. Yeah. yeah. So the, the woman comes up and of course she's got her nose buried in her Blackberry and she's just tapping away. And so Hallie goes into her spiel about, okay, so welcome. This is, you know, it's all inside telling the person the pertinent information to get her up and running to spend her day at work at this new alternate location. And the woman was not paying attention and was very anything. And then she looked up and said, I'm sorry, what? <sighs> and Hallie said, oh, I just told you what you need to do to get yourself set up. And the woman said, I didn't hear you. And how's that? I know, but that's, that's because you were tapping on your machine there. So just go over to your desk and, uh, you know, there's a helpline you can call. <laughs> right. You know, why is it incumbent on my wife to have to re-explain everything because now I've got your attention. The person should have been paying attention the minute they walked. Yeah, in. yeah, that is not her. That's not her job. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, I find myself doing that a lot. I'll, I will say something and then someone won't be listening, and I will. I will immediately get pissy about it. I think that's where I go wrong. 
I'll be like, well, you weren't listening, so now I'm not going to do it. And it's fully like, oh, well, you're taking your ball and going home. It's like, no, dude, you, I've already done my job. I held up my end of the deal in this conversation. You're the one who dropped the ball. So why don't you, hey, how about a little effort? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I personally believe that you should be allowed to call people because these are the same people that will call you on stuff if they feel you're not rising to the occasion or providing them with what they need. So I feel like it's perfectly acceptable to, you know, call out the person on exactly what it is they were doing. I.e., you were tapping on your phone while I was explaining to you where you needed to go and what you needed to do to get up and running. And you didn't pay attention to me because what you were doing was more important. So rather than acknowledging me and saying, can, I, can you give me just a minute, a minute to finish off this email and then you know I'm all ears, you chose to ignore me and then look up and when it was convenient for you, ask me to re-repeat everything that I just said to you. Yeah. So I think you should be allowed to say to that person, you weren't listening, now go off to the you know penalty booth. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that- There should be more penalty booths. There should be around the world. Yeah, that, that that gives you the power play. I think the the <laughs> a couple things happen there. One is that it instantly the misunderstanding instantly puts people on the where the misunderstanding comes from. Rather, is that um, oh, I just lost it. Wow, I I, I had it and then I'm, oh no, here's where it is. Stay it's with because, it. Stay with it. <laughs> it's people who oh, I'm losing it again. Uh, I'm like the goose to your maverick. Stay with it. Stay with it. <laughs> people who uh, you don't come from, people who aren't admitting where they are actually in the conversation. They become defensive about what they're doing. So the person who says, no, I'm not typing on my, I, I was able to type on my BlackBerry and my device and listen to you at the same time. I just missed some of it. Like, unless they say, you're right, this is exactly what I was doing, and this is exactly what was going on, then you can't have a conversation with them. And I find this happens to, to me a lot, at least, is that people won't admit what, what they were actually doing. They try to cover it up and lie about their behavior so that you can't actually have a conversation with them about what's going on because they're, they're, they're not saying, you know, right now, if you were talking, Rob, and I was, you know, sorting my laundry or preparing some tea, mm -hmm. and you caught me on the Skype camera doing that, and you went, "Hey, wait a minute, I, what I, are you?" I, you know? I, I, that's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I am still paying attention to you. But if I like, if you said a whole lot of stuff, and then I went, "Uh, yeah," and then I started talking about something that had nothing to do with it, and you're like, "You weren't even listening to me," and I was like, "No, I was listening to you. I'm just changing the subject here." You know, suddenly we would ha start having this conversation where I wasn't coming from a place of of honesty and truthfulness in where I was at the time. So then suddenly you're not having the same conversation. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Well, I was, you're really piquing my interest in a whole nother area that I feel, and maybe uh, this is revisionist, but I feel like people nowadays are so quick to lie, whether it's to themselves, to others, but the impulse to lie is so overwhelmingly prevalent in every facet of society. Yeah. It, it, whether it's bending truths, uh, concocting numbers to support things that aren't quite accurate, or just outright, you know, your hand's in the cookie jar. No, it wasn't. But yeah. I see it. It's still in the cookie jar. No, it isn't. 
Right. I was listening to our, uh, this sort of science special uh, study mm -hmm. on lying the other day, and it says that most people lie 30 times a day or 30% of the day. 30% of the things that come mm -hmm. out of people's life are just lies. Uh, and they talked about the seven different types of lying, um, which I don't know if I remember all seven of them, but one of them is to protect yourself. You know, another one is to, I don't remember all seven of them, but the one that seems to be the one that most people do is this sort of histrionic lying, which is lying to make yourself appear better than you actually are. And to ah. just kind of tell, to boost your ego and boost yourself about what's going on. So if people are all telling stories about, wow, I climbed a rock. Oh yeah, I climbed a bigger rock. Then the, the liar says, well, I climbed a volcano. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that is so prevalent out here. That's the other thing. I don't know if you notice this as well, because you live in a lying town like I do. But I li I'm, I'm a listener, especially when I meet people for the first time. I, div I divulge very few things about myself unless I'm asked or it seems appropriate. Mm -hmm. But I do ask lots of questions of people. And the idea is that if I ask a question of somebody, they're going to ask a question back of me. Right. And then we're both going to understand where the other person's coming from or what the other person does. But out here, if you ask somebody a question, forget about it. That is just license for them to go on and on and on <laughs> about what it is that they do and what they like. And so consequently, I come away with uh, way more information about that person than they have about me, which I find kind of funny because I can use that information in a variety of ways. It tells me a lot more about who they are, what their motivations are, what they value. And they have really no sense at all of who I am. So I don't know if that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing because it's, I'm harder to pin down where I can easily pin them down. And if I need to, for whatever reason, I, I can target certain things towards certain people because I know that's what they're into. Well, but does this happen to you? Because uh, I find this happens to me a lot. When people are telling you things and you peg them for what they're doing, do you peg them mm -hmm. after four or five words into a sentence or do you wait until they're completely done saying what they're saying? I, I would say it depends. I, I don't want to come off as like I'm just some sort of skilled um, person at, you know, pinpointing a person's, you know, what personality or motivations. But I think you can tell pretty quickly within a few, within a few words or sentences wh what the person values and what they want you to think about them yeah i i i think i'm guilty of this which is probably why it, it drives me crazy because most things that drive me crazy are things that i actually do and dislike about myself but uh mm -hmm. so here let me give you an example of what uh what i'm talking about can you start just expressing your opinion about something and i will do the thing that i find people do that i believe i do as well go <laughs> my opinion about something okay um I think that the Olympic coverage. Oh, exactly, probably... exactly. The NBC Olympics have been so dreadful on that. Okay, <laughs> that sort of thing. Like as soon as you start talking, it, they may not interrupt you right away, but I can see them uh -huh. check out right around then. 
and and say, I know exactly what this person is going to say. I don't need to listen to the rest of what he's going to say. I'm preparing my rebuttal mm-hmm. right now. Right? That thing. Yeah, why do people need to be heard so badly? Were they never heard as, as children? That's probably exactly why, yeah. But you know what it is, too? Also, I think, especially I see this with the with younger, the younger generation. Exactly. With the young- quite a bit. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> is there is so much importance on being right. And I personally, I'm not attached too much to things. If I'm wrong about something, if I'm wrong about a fact, or if I say the bass player for the Smiths is named this guy and it turns out it isn't. Right. And I'm wrong, I could be like, oh, my bad, you know, that's, you know, it is what it is. But people want to be right so badly and then they will defend their position until the cows come home, even if they're wrong. And even if they're proven wrong, they have some sort of excuse or answer for being proven wrong. Yeah. I, the, and so the, it's – I don't understand. And it's over stuff that is not really that important to begin with. Right. So I don't understand where this all stems from, this need, this like urgent need to be right all the time about everything, about stuff that you by rights would not even need to know or be right about. I think There's I, nothing wrong with saying, you know, I don't know anything at all about that. Yeah, I think I'm guilty of that. But it's usually because I am right. <laughs> I would agree. I mean, but you, you you know a lot about things, and you're generally right in most of the things that you're going to defend. I'm just always laugh. I laugh because I see a lot of music, and I do the one thing I do happen to know a lot about is music. Yes, and I'll be around people that are also involved in music, and everybody has to be the authority. And a lot of times, I'll listen to people, and they'll be saying stuff that I know not to be true. And rather, I've learned rather than say, I'm not so sure about that, I'll just let them believe whatever the hell they want to believe. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. um, Where am I trying to go with this? um, Okay, this is what I've uncovered. And I was actually talking with uh, someone about this the other day about parenting. But I Mm -hmm. discovered that it actually applies to a lot of group and social situations, most specifically because I just got back from camping I was camping with my family uh, past week, my sisters and their husbands and their offspring and whatnot, and it gave me a little insight as to why I would probably not be any good at Survivor. Um, Not just the physical stuff, but the actual social stuff, probably, I would be upset about in this whole being right thing. Um, And follow me on this. I believe that there are things that I do better than others, okay? Um, I believe there are things that other people do better than me. It's not that I can't do it. You know, for example, building the campfire. Uh, I -hmm. can build a campfire. Turns out my brother-in-law is is actually better at building a campfire than I am. Not that big of a deal, but he does it better than I do. Okay, so I won't be the one building the campfire if we're all sitting together. I'll let let him do it. Um, And then there are things that everybody can do. So... For example, when uh, we're when we're done eating dinner, any of us, even the kids, can go take the the container, the bucket, and go down to the spigot and fill it up with water so we can wash the dishes. Right? That's something anybody can right. do. So, the, the the what comes up is like sitting and figuring out when to step up and do the thing that you're best at, when to mm-hmm. sit back 
and allow the people who do things better do it and when to like suss out when how the group is feeling and pick up the slack on the things that anybody can do right um, fair enough fair okay enough. but it never seems to work that way especially because no. the things where like i'll use the camper as example even though it's not really a good example but it would be as if when my brother-in-law made the campfire he thought that and treated me as if I had n I couldn't do it at all, right? Oh, I know how to build a campfire. Here, hold back. Let me show you. Here, this is how you do it. You put these things here. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'd be like, fuck you, dude. I know how to build a campfire, right? You ever get that sensation? Somebody's treating you like you don't uh -huh. know anything about something? Even though yes. you might not be as good as them, you could still do it. I can still cook a turkey. You know, I just can't do it as good as my ex-wife did, you know? But mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So, and then there are things that, like, I can do better, okay? If I could build the campfire, I'd be like, fuck, dude, let me just do this. Let me do it. God damn it. Stop telling me how to do things. Back off. You know, you see where I'm going with this, yeah. right? And then the, the, oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. go ahead. The, well, just then the everybody thing. It's like we're all sitting around. It's like, why are we all sitting around? Why do I have to be the one who has to go fill the bucket with water? Why can't any of you fuckers who are all sitting around do it, right? That's sort of the survivor <laughs> thing that's coming up for me. Yeah. Well, it's funny because one of my talents, I feel, is that I'm very good at planning a logistically smart evening out. So we recently had somebody come out to visit us from San Francisco. And a lot of times when people come out to New York, you know, they've been here a few times. And so they – they, I know New York. I know New York. Sure, the Fine. the Bowery's up and the the battery's down. <laughs> you know that's and that's fine. So, but logistically, if you were staying, say, up and around uh, Columbus Circle, yeah, and the last time you were in New York, or the the, the times you've been in New York, you were hanging out in the Lower East Side, right. But you want to try and meet up with your friend who lives on the Upper West Side. Okay. And you heard about this great place that's all the way down in Tribeca. Okay. Yes. Yeah, see, I'm already lost. And Never been to Tribeca. Can't, can't get to Tribeca. It's all the way downtown, going okay. towards, you know, downtown. All right, so yeah. those are all very divergent and split from each other locations. And then there's the time consideration of, well, we need to get something to eat, and I got to meet so-and-so at this time, and let's go here. And, let, yeah, somebody so-and-so just texted me, and he's over in Brooklyn. Let's meet him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I should just be like, you know, this is, all this is not going to work out. We got to kind of pick a, a, a place and either have people come and meet us where we could grab a bite to eat and have drinks and facilitate the people that, you know, have already eaten and don't want to eat and make it easy for the person from Brooklyn to get to because it's on a subway that comes from where he's at, blah, blah, blah. But you get so much resistance from people when you try to be practical about these things. These are practical concerns. And you're like, no, why, why can't we go here? Well, we can go over there, but it's on the opposite side of town of where you say you want to meet everybody that you want to meet. Yeah, I feel like it just won't work. Yeah, it just I, doesn't work. Right. OK, so let me ask you this, though, because I feel like sometimes what gets confusing about that is things that are empirical truths 
and things that are personal truths. So I think a lot of the time that like uh, people can't seem to separate opinion from fact that's happening all over the place now in America, whether you're a pundit on TV or sitting at the local pub, people will have an opinion and state them as fact. So there are times where you, Rob, will not do something because it's inconvenient for you and it's a pain in the ass for you. But there are also times where you will you will do as you're describing and say, no, this doesn't make any sense uh, to to drive all over town when we need to just do this. And what pisses me off is the people who can't recognize the difference between that. So, like, if you if all of us are hanging out together and you go, nah, we don't want to do that. Like, everyone will go, oh, there's Rob not doing his thing. You know, he doesn't want to drive out here. Oh, come on, Rob. Don't be a dick when it's just like, no. What do you mean? I'm not being a dick. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. telling you this is a pain in the ass. That's where I get pissed off. It's like, oh, Jason, there goes Jason. Just not wanting to do something. It's yeah. like, okay, fine. You know, we I was at uh, uh, Disneyland with my uh, with my family two weeks ago, and we met up with another family, and we get off the ride, and everyone would sort of stand there. What are we going to do now? Oh, I want to go here. Well, we already did that. Oh, I don't want to do that. Well, let's go walk over here, and I'd be like, no, we don't want to walk over there. <laughs> Because that's going to go all the way back to where we were before. Oh, Jason, come on. It'll be fine. Ugh. God. Yeah, I, I, no, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I And I will cop to the fact when it's just not something I want to do. You know me well enough to know that I have no problem saying, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into doing that. Yeah, well, it, It's happened almost every time you came to the peninsula <laughs> where one person that we will we, we'll remain nameless – <laughs> plans everything that's very convenient for them, but it's really a nightmare for anybody else. Right. Okay. And you'll usually be a trooper because you have a car with you and you'll drive down there. Yeah. Whereas I will be more like, no, this doesn't make any sense for me. Why would I want to leave where I'm at, which is close to where everybody else is coming from, to go all an hour down or hop on a train to get picked up at a train station, to have to be deposited at a train station before the last train, which is two hours after I arrive, and the whole travel time is two hours. So what's the point of spending more time traveling to get somewhere than actually spending time at that place? Yeah, no, I totally understand that. And for me also, if I'm on you know vacation, quote unquote, and I'm visiting folks up in San Francisco, mm -hmm. then I, I'll be like, yeah, you know, I drove six hours to get here. I don't mind driving an hour to, you know, south to see someone else. But if mm -hmm. I totally get it, when I'm here, someone calls me and says, hey, we're going to be out in Santa Monica. And I'll be like, Santa Monica? No, thanks. I don't want to go out there. You know, it's just a, it's a 45 minute drive from here. But I'll be like, God, what a hassle to get out to Santa Monica. No, thanks. You know, no offense. Mr. Yeah, no, <laughs> no I, I, I and that's that's all good. You know, it, it's all fine. I just wish people. We're a little bit more uh, honest in what's the mo what's the motivating mechanism for the decisions that they make, as opposed to trying to cover it all up and then make you the problem. Yeah, well, that's nobody wants to be the the problem, and I think it has to do with what you said about being liked, and I'm guilty of that too. I, I want to be liked. I want people to like me, and I will. Uh, I will do things that are contrary to what I want to be doing in, in to be liked by the people around me. But then I just end up being cranky and uh, unlikable anyway. So I think it's yeah, best, for me, exactly. <laughs> best for me not to go anywhere. Can't win for losing, can you? No, no, no. So, 
Uh, hey, you had mentioned earlier the NBC Olympic coverage. Okay, so. Yeah, let's let's talk let's talk about the Olympics really quickly. Unfortunately, I have an appointment that I have to keep. We just wanted to squeeze in a little chat time because we know that the listener misses our voice. Right, exactly. I was out of town, so I had them on uh, tape delay. I watched them when I recorded. and I came home. Did you watch Danny Boyle's opening ceremony? You know, it was funny because I was out with uh, the friend in from out of town, and so we got in really late, and I didn't realize oh yeah actually i was training i was training and we were very dead we weren't busy at all and it was because the opening ceremony was on and people were watching it and then of course after the opening ceremony ended then all of a sudden people started trickling in and then as people this is right about the time we were supposed to close were trickling in then it looked like there was a crowd there and more people came trickling in and the whole thing was shit it went from zero to 60 with the you know when you're supposed to be closing and so I was annoyed but when I got home they had the replay of the thing and I watched it and I was up until like four something in the morning watching it because I couldn't pry myself away from it it was to my eyes very bizarre there was a lot of top hats yes Uh, when it started I was like oh the British Oh, oh how white this is Oh, right. And the funny thing was that they had all these other people of color that were participating in the thing. But you know for a fact that most of Britain's history has not been uh, nearly as uh, Benetton ad as they would like you to believe because <laughs> it was like, you know, the the white nursemaid was not looking over the Indian child. I guarantee you that much. No, no, not at all. It was all it was, what was so- all that bed shit. Was that like were they celebrating discovering the polio vaccination what was that all about i don't know actually somebody wrote a pretty funny thing on entertainment weekly where they were celebrating their socialist healthcare system which was pretty funny <laughs> uh that was i think the thing that was most bizarre was how how much time there was in between set pieces so they do this enormous thing where at the beginning where they have all the all the white Englishmen dancing around the maypole on the grass and herding sheep and climbing up a mountain. And then there was like half an hour of them moving all this grass out of the way while these big smokestacks showed up. It was like the biggest set change in history as if it was part of the show. It's like, no, we're just waiting, just waiting for them they to get the grass They should have got the Chinese to do that. That's right. <laughs> they would have banged it out quickly. Totally. Beijing taught us everything about how to put on a good opening ceremony. And I never like opening ceremonies. I've never watched them. I've never cared about them. And every well, year... Let's just suppose yeah. for one second. Okay. Just one second that, you know, Britain celebrating the greatness of Britain decided, you know what? This opening ceremony is costing us millions and millions of dollars to put on. And in a gesture of goodwill to the rest of the world, we are going to take the money that we would have spent on the opening ceremonies and we are going to donate that to finding a a cure for AIDS in Africa or build wells or feed people. Do something that is actually worthwhile rather than celebrating how powerful and mighty the host nation is by spending all of this money. It's become ridiculous. It's become absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. Well, I, yeah, I, uh, I agree. I thought Paul McCartney sounded terrible. He looks weird. Um, did you see Paul McCartney? Did you get it to that part? Didn't, I missed, I, I didn't get that far into the thing. 
Well, it was after the Parade of Nations, so I don't blame you because the Parade of Nations is ridiculously long. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. So, have you watched any events? I'm tired of swimming at this point. I got to tell you. Yeah, I, I'm realizing that a lot of the events that I thought were interesting, I, I watch now for like synchronized diving. I just, it just feels like a fake sport to me. <laughs> um, I, I'm less impressed with like the gymnastics I thought was going to blow me away. Like, wow, look what these people can do with their bodies. And at times I am like, wow, that's amazing. But then other times I'm like, really, that's it. You know, like that's it. Aren't, can't they do more than that? You did know? you watch the Which women's? Did you watch our women's gymnastic team win gold? I I did I didn't because I had something else going on and because Twitter now is leaking in real time who's actually winning. I, I have a hard time watching. You know the suspense is gone when they're all waiting for the scores and stuff like that because I already know what happened. Yeah, I agree with that. Although I've thought that even before Twitter, back when the Olympics were in Australia and they had this whole mm-hmm. time change thing, uh, even then I was like, when I'd watch it at night, I'd be. Well, the only reason they're showing us this is because we win. Why else would this be on primetime TV? There's no suspense mm-hmm. in this at all. Why? Who cares? It wouldn't be on if we lost. They'd just tell us about mm-hmm. it. What I do find amusing, and it's the same thing I'm always reminded of every four years, is how the commentating for the Olympics is so, so heavy-handed, ham-handed, dare I say, and it just – whenever I'm watching the beach volleyball thing and I guess the, our, our people are Misty May Trainer and uh, some other, you know, Jennifer Jones something other hyphen thing. I hate when the, the announcer is like going, oh, look at that dig Misty did. And look at Jennifer. Oh, and Misty gets a dig. And where they refer to them by their first names, <laughs> right? Yeah, like we're all super familiar with them, and it, I just that annoys the shit out of me for some reason. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I wish you should you, you should watch the uh, the women's all around is tonight Thursday night when we record the show. If you decide mm-hmm. to watch the uh, the gymnastics, but you will miss Michaela Maroney, who I said I called it when I handicapped it you a did. couple of weeks ago was astonishing in her vault, like jaw-droppingly astonishing there was one of the judges if you watch her first vault you look at her one of the judges jaw is actually wide open watching her do it wow yeah yeah i i you ever meet people that will come up to you and they'll say well you know alec and you're like no and they're talking about alec baldwin somebody that they don't even know either yeah yeah that's how i feel like the commentating is, is become they always you know well, Karch over there, and like, who's Karch? Give me some reference. I don't know who these people are. This right. is the first time I've seen these people. Yeah, that happens a lot with people that I run into here in uh, L.A. who have uh, worked with actors. You know, they, it, it, I don't yeah. care if, if if you worked with Robert De Niro. I don't care how familiar you are with him. If you're telling me a story about Robert De Niro, you call him Robert De Niro. You don't call him Bobby. Yeah. Okay. If yeah, he says, call I me Bobby, you know, when someone says, call me Bobby, it doesn't mean that you call you call him Bobby to all your friends. It means you call him Bobby when you address him because it's a familiar thing. You know, your friends now and you talk to him. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, it, the other thing, too, is the human interest stories are so, so heavy handed. Yeah, I don't like any of the packaging. I don't watch any of that wraparound stuff. And I also turn on the Olympics. One thing that I do like, I have to say, is that when the Olympics is on, is I love being able to turn on the TV at any time of day or night and be able to watch a sporting event that I don't normally get to see. You know? 
Yeah, that, that's cool. I, I definitely think that that's uh, that's fun. that's what I've been doing. I've been getting bits and pieces here and there. And if I'm not interested in in a event, I just turn. I, I don't have to. I don't feel compelled to have to watch the Olympics. Some people get very excited by it. Um, I'm realizing maybe in my old age that I'm just not. I'm interested in the things that I'm interested in. If yeah. the Olympics involved all my favorite bands playing, I'd watch it. Right. Well, and what happens to me too is the Olympics is that I'll turn it on in prime time and it's gymnastics, it's swimming, it's women's volleyball, it's gymnastics, it's swimming, yeah. swimming, 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 which nary a shuttlecock in sight, nary a shuttlecock in sight. But what will happen is, you know, they, they, they have all these networks that are showing the Olympics basically all day long and I can record anything. And I'm like, well, I'm going to record some one of these other events and I'll watch it later on. And I look and it'll be like cycling, boxing, soccer. Um, no. I don't want to watch any of those things, you know? Yeah, I'm with you there. I want to watch the pentathlon, well, you know? When's the pentathlon on? That's coming. I think the, the running events happen this coming week. All right. Um, but unfortunately, speaking of running, I have to run. Jace, I have to go out there and uh, bang my head up against the proverbial brick walls out here. All right. Well, get your uniform on and train hard. Take the A train. I will. Okay. I'm going to take the A train. But yeah, it's been a pleasure. We are going to get back to some semblance of a real show in the future. Um, we, we keep threatening to do that. We may just make good on the threat one day. All right. Well, we'll get back to all our regular segments, the news, the snark tank, the uh, discussion. All that. TV all stuff. that good stuff we have. We just wrapped up in bubble wrap here in the uh, Dubai Northeast. Right. I just have to unpack it. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Rob, and we'll see you all next week. Can you tell me? What did they say? Did you hear? What did they say? Can you hear? What did they say? Audible hopes you have enjoyed this program.